0: This is BoxCast, a conversation about current events, culture, and e-commerce logistics from Pitney Bowes. In part one of this episode, you heard me talking to Sam Coyro and Lindsay Milliken, who lead our client engagement team. Now we covered off on some of the biggest challenges our clients face during the 2021 peak. If you haven't already listened to that first part... I would encourage you to go check it out first. In part two now, we're going to pick up where we left off to talk about what we and our clients together can do in the year ahead to avoid some of the challenges we observed last peak, starting with forecasting. Here's Sam and Lindsay. I want to talk, to kind of zoom out a little bit here with kind of all these impacts on forecasting and start to kind of talk a little bit about the year ahead and maybe some guidance or tips and tricks that we would give that we are giving our clients or uh, what we're hearing clients that are weathering this storm particularly well are doing. What can clients do from a forecasting perspective to kind of figure out some of this variability ahead of time? Is there anything that we're hearing your clients are doing? And then maybe um, we can talk a little bit about what are some of the things that we're doing to make it easier for clients to provide forecasts to us so so that we can secure the capacity. So um, maybe Lindsay, we can start with you and then Sam, if you want to add on.
1: Yeah. So I would say outside of having the magic eight ball, you know, there is an element of forecasting here that is more of an art than a science, but you need to at least start with your most scientific methods, which is First and foremost, make sure you have all the right contributors involved in the forecasting process. So, you obviously need to have your marketing promotions team involved in your forecasting as well as operations, as well as the people who manage the supply chain for your business and the transportation managers. And especially with this multi-carrier world that we live in right now, you know, we need to make sure that, that retailers are taking a better view on how their multi carrier splits work, how the levers that impact the splits work, and then building the variable models that allow them to input real time information on what the sales trends are looking like, how many units per order we're seeing, what the hot items of the season are, and how that can drive the profile that makes decisions about your multi-carrier splits. Those are all really important components that you need to make sure you have set up far in advance of actually facing a peak forecast that's due to all of your carriers. Sam, anything you want to add on that?
2: The last piece, Lindsay, hit it on the head. My my, my words were going to be start earlier. You can't be doing this in November. It's got to be done in April and uh, model it out. Um the one additional piece I would add is, think about it from a high-low perspective, right? You gotta have a range. I mean, when you look at the stock market and an analyst is predicting the price of a stock, they're not telling you the stock's gonna be $5. They're saying it could go high, 750, low 250, but they're giving the range. And I think that when when a merchant is forecasting out, for sure they want that predictability of saying, I'm gonna be at X, but given all the factors that Lindsay laid out and all the different players and the contingencies that they have to consider, it's probably prudent to give that range a low and a high. And then it's up to carriers like us and others to then take that information and plan accordingly for that range. And at least gives us as a carrier, for example, the flexibility to flex up and down, depending on the fact that we know that there's going to be a range.
0: Absolutely. Uh, the other thing I think we're doing, I'll just layer on to what you guys are saying, is we're going to try to, going into this year, I think do a better job of recording Forecast versus actuals, so that we can kind of show back to a client, you know, are there patterns emerging where forecasts are amiss, or we are we able to see that there are kind of repeated trends on where forecasts don't fit the actuals, or the actuals don't fit the forecast? I think we we want to do a better job of, of providing that insight back to clients so that they can secure the capacity they need rather than um, trying to trying to have to sand back some of those numbers.
1: That's going to be really helpful because historically you know what's happened behind the scenes is clients send forecasts to you know our client engagement managers who then submit the forecasts into our team and what we know is some clients are a lot better at it than others and in the instances where we know XYZ retailer happens to over forecast by 15% every time. The client engagement manager just dials the forecast down accordingly because that's you know how we have seen all of their actuals working historically. And our job is to get it as precise as possible. Now we are going to have a better feedback loop where we can actually send that information over to the retailers and consult them on what we're seeing in their you know forecast versus actuals, what the trend lines are looking like, and help coach them on a better methodology for forecasting that'll they'll be able to implement with us as well as any other carriers that they're using
0: awesome absolutely agreed all right, so next topic is notifications around delays I mean delays occasionally happen we want to avoid it as much as possible, but I mean, this is a, a business of moving physical boxes across long, large distances of space. And so things can happen. So, Sam, do you want to talk a little bit about some of the things that we recommend clients do to give consumers and consumers a heads up that, you know, look, there's a busy, uh, busy period of shipping. Obviously, COVID constraints have been a problem. Hopefully, that's receding. But what are some of the best practices from a notification perspective?
2: Yeah, thanks, VJ. Um, so, very important for the retailers, the merchants to work closely with the logistics providers. You know, we we have the luxury of having a client engagement organization that we're part of, where we converse with our clients on a regular basis, and we provide them as much information as possible. The key though is to take that information and to then propagate it through the consumer base. Like we, for example, are notifying our clients, not their consumers, our clients of issues that we see with weather, with civil unrest and things of that nature. But it's also important for the retailer to make sure that they are providing that same level of detail to their customers. And it's one thing to do it via tracking updates, which are great, but also to, and that, that would be for consumers that have purchased products. But think about the consumers that are coming into the ecosystem that wanna buy your product. Well, if you know that there are issues in delivering to specific parts of the countries due to one of several reasons, you should be calling that up front you know, via a banner, um, via pop-up, um, even at the, the the PDD or the checkout, you should be calling these things out to the end consumer so that there are no surprises. And, and frankly, doing so actually puts them in a, in a position of favor because several, seven or eight days later when the package doesn't show up, the, the likelihood that that consumer is gonna call the call center and blow up the customer service reps is actually gonna go away because they simply notified the customer at the beginning. Hey, look, you know, I, I appreciate that you want to buy this package. I'm going to get it to you, but it's going to take me a little bit longer for these reasons. Oh, and by the way, if things improve, I will absolutely notify you through your tracking link. So that's that's front and center. Number one, you know, we have the belief that we have to keep our customers informed 24 365. They need to do the same for their end consumers. Three sixty five notification always on. Awesome. Um, Lindsay, let me
0: ask you a slightly different
2: question. Any
0: advice around communicating holiday cutoffs and estimated delivery dates around, around peak?
1: Yeah, this is a really important one because if you're not setting the right expectations, you're setting yourself up for failure. So I think you know the best case is to set the expectation as soon as someone lands on your site, you let them know what your shipping program is going to look like. Like if you're going to have free standard shipping up until December 10th, put it right there on your homepage, make it clear. Um, And, you know, I think that really out of every five retailers, there's probably going to be one who's going to be scared to set an early enough cutoff to be safe. And that typically backfires, right? I, I think people, when they set these expectations, they don't want to say a date that's super early because they're afraid they're going to lose business during that gap period. But at the end of the day, every consumer that I talk to remembers the retailer that burned them, that didn't get the you know magical <laughs> toy that was the big hit of 2021. If that toy didn't arrive by Christmas Eve because the retailer was hedging their bets and trying to get as many sales in as possible, giving a late cutoff, they remember that and they won't do it again. They will not make that same mistake twice. And so we just, you know, recommend you be reasonable with the date that you're providing. Make sure that you're you're giving enough time for all of your carriers to to hit the goal, right? The goal being get it there before Christmas and make sure you're telling your customers as soon as they're landing, don't wait till checkout. You're just going to see some, you know, shopping cart abandonment issues, if you're not telling them upfront how their shipping is going to be working for holiday delivery.
0: So I'm going to throw out a couple of stats from our box poll research that are related to exactly what you're describing. Uh, One is the three out of four consumers say that an accurate EDD is more important than fast shipping. More important than fast shipping. Um, The other one um, that I thought was really interesting is that more than half of consumers say that... um, and early delivery is inconvenient. It's not just late delivery. You, you know, you you don't hit it on time. The accuracy kind of comes into into fact of like there's a lot of concern right now now around one porch piracy. Um, you know, seventy five percent of consumers say the porch piracy is a big problem, and the fact that consumers are getting out of the house a lot more now that hopefully uh, knock on wood, Omicron is is receding. There's a lot more. I'm not going to be home. When this package arrives, I don't want it sitting out. Uh, so, more than half of consumers find early delivery inconvenient, as you know, obviously, most will complain about delivery that's late. The other thing that's, um, I think, really interesting is that more than half of consumers will recommend a retailer to friends and family. It's like 56% if a retailer simply provides an updated EDD notification. Keep in mind, that is a retailer that whose experience the customer experience resulted in a delayed package but that delayed package can turn into a positive experience if you provide an updated edd now i'm gonna i'm making a plug on updated edd because this is a feature we're rolling out here shortly and i'd love for for clients to engage their client client managers from 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 sam and lindsay's team around how to enable this we're rolling out uh, a feature that allows you to to give consumers an automated notification if the EDD changes um, after the the package is shipped. So we can issue that through email or SMS. It's it's delivered whether you use our tracking solution, our branded tracking solutions, Consumer Connect or not. We we do it through API, but uh, we've got an automated um, notification API for for EDD changes. So that's hugely important. Again, consumers will recommend a retailer that that provides um, an EDD update. And it changes even though the package is delayed. All right. Last one I want to point out. I know this is sort of it seems simple. It seems common sense. But exceptions impact on time performance. And so one of the big things that we want to talk about, um, I know you guys point out to clients quite a bit, is easy fixes around exceptions that can that can avoid delayed, unnecessarily delayed parcels. Um, Lindsay, do you want to talk about that? And then Sam, if you want to add, add some color to that one.
1: Yeah, sure. So, you know, I think that it's my recommendation to any operator out there who's shipping packages to carriers is you need to be running consistent audits on the health of your label and the health of your packaging, because as soon as that package leaves the door, it could take the happy path, which it gets scanned right away, gets shipped. They get the package as soon as that estimated delivery date says they were going to get the package. But it can also take the sad path. And the sad path makes for sad retailers as well as sad consumers, because there's a number of things that can go wrong in the fulfillment process from you know not securing the package all the way so contents come out during during shipping, or if a label is printed with a poor quality, the barcode can't be scanned, the ink is smudging, then now the street address isn't even legible or um if you're applying that label to the package on you know on a corner where still again cannot be scanned when it goes through um you know induction tunnels or or her whoever your carrier is, they're probably using some sort of equipment to scan these labels. And so the health of that label, the health of the packaging is really critical. If you don't have a package going down the happy path, the sad path can lead to delays of an hour or a day or even longer, depending on how many sad path packages that carrier is handling on that given day, because it requires a human to figure out exactly what's gone wrong and fix it. And it can also be really costly, depending on who your carrier is, to make those corrections. So not only does it delay your package and then impact when your consumer receives it, but it can also impact your invoice at the end of the day.
0: So I just want to point out to anyone listening, uh, Lindsay, uh, you you made a a great point just before we started recording here. Um, Sad... sad. uh, Retailers, sad consumers, uh sad path. We're recording here on Broken Hearts Day.
1: Day after <laughs> yes. day after
0: Valentine's. So sad all around. It's sad That's all right. That's right. <laughs> um, all right. So easy, easy fixes on label quality for sure. Um, I want to talk about some of the things that went well this peak, just to close us out. Some of the things around you know, what we saw that, that that kind of landed in a positive note that maybe kind of feels a little bit better here, closing out Broken Hearts Day, mending those broken hearts. Sam, do you want to talk a little bit about you know holiday commitments? What did we see? What are some of the, the positive notes we saw out of out of out of the holiday peak?
2: Look, we spent some time earlier, VJ, talking about doing things earlier, and uh, we are not excluded from that as an organization. We certainly doubled and tripled down on a lot of the lessons that we learned coming out of the previous peak in order to put ourselves in a position of being able to deliver successfully for our clients. You know, one of the things that we're all proud of as an organization is we were able to deliver over 99% of our consumer or clients' packages to end consumers by the 24th of December. And, and what's even more astonishing, VJ, is that this not only included packages that we had provided a cutoff time for, and for those that are foreign to that, it was December 12th and we told our clients you know, we need to have your packages in our house by the 12th of December in order to ensure that we can deliver them by Christmas. So not only did we deliver 99% or greater for those packages, but even the packages that came in the week, like leading up to the 19th, 20th, 21st, we still were able to deliver those packages. And that really is a testament to lessons learned, starting things earlier, and really pushing hard on ensuring that we as an organization, we're accountable to our clients' packages, but also our career partners and our overall partners that help us move those packages through the journey. So that was really, really good. It was a success story in my eyes. You know, we're, now we're building on that as we look at 2022. So that's definitely a big, big win, I would say.
0: So to close this out, Sam, not to put you on the spot, do you have another story about your dad?
2: Oh, buddy, I do. So I'm at my parents' house. Uh, going through a little bit of a reno. So as you can imagine, I got my kids and my wife and I here. This is my old house, which is you know where I used to live. So when growing up, I had a cat. And I did not bring this cat with me when I moved you know, into my matrimonial home. But the cat's still around. So a couple weeks ago, it's a true story. I go into the basement. The cat's a little old. She's about 14 years old now. So she kind of sleeps in the laundry room. Well, I walk in to get some clean laundry and I noticed the cat was pacing and I looked down, I saw no water and no dry food in her bowl. And I'm like, oh, well, that's odd. I said, usually the, the bowl's pretty full. So I, you know, I take the liberty of putting some water in there for her. And I started looking for the cat food. I couldn't find the cat food, Vijay. It wasn't in the laundry room. It wasn't in the garage. I went upstairs and rubbed me through the cabinets and I started to feel really bad. I'm like, Jesus Christ, this poor cat. I don't even know how long this cat had no food for. So anyway, I- there's was a the sad door. cat. Yeah, I, I did the noble thing. I grabbed the can of tuna. And you got to understand, this cat's old. This cat has not had wet food in God knows how long. Anyway, opened the can of tuna. The cat devoured it. My dad comes home later. I said, dad. I said, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but where's the cat food? He's like, oh, uh, I, I ordered it, but it's not here yet. <laughs> what, what do you mean? I <laughs> mean, he says, yeah, I ordered it a few days ago. I'm like, well, what the hell have you been feeding the cat since then? You know, I was going on this rampage thinking that he wasn't feeding the cat. But there you go. I got a pet at home and my parents home that here I am. <laughs> my, my, my dad's off trying to kill the cat. And that's completely not the truth. He literally just couldn't get the cat food. He ordered it from Amazon, by the way. Amazon also wasn't able to get her in the three days like they promised. But hey, that's another story.
0: I mean, a a cat that lives on bread and cheese, I mean, that, that is living high, uh, and tuna, no less. Oh yeah.
2: And it was good tuna, man. It was, uh, it was unico in olive oil, like amazing tuna. Really, really good. Which is like the word of
0: 2021 for some reason. Charcuterie is, is the, is the Instagram trend. All right, good. I, I really appreciate both of you guys on this discussion. Obviously we'll have both of you guys back, uh, talk real soon about some of the other interesting things happening in in our industry. But uh, thank you both. Appreciate it, Uh, Sam. Thanks, Lindsay. And uh, we'll talk to everybody real soon.